Welcome to Rethink Retirement, a Next Up podcast. We're here to show you how you can use your skills and your experience as you move into retirement or unretirement, really, as we like to call it. I'm Victoria Tomlinson. And I'm Trevor Hatton. And in each episode, we invite a guest to share their story of moving from a traditional working life to starting new things. And I know that sometimes this can be a very challenging time. So we hope that by meeting our guests, you'll get ideas and perhaps they'll inspire you to think of things that you can move on to do next, particularly if you're finding your current position rather challenging. And today we're delighted to welcome Paul Owen. Now, Paul contacted us because after, well, I was going to say a long corporate career. You're still really in your corporate career, aren't you, Paul? Rather than I am. Don't, don't, don't sign me off yet, Victoria. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're not signing anybody off. Trust me, that's what this is all about. <laughs> but you've set up a company called the True Sales Company. And you were really interested in the point that you think people over 50 have got so much to offer. And we are definitely on the same page with that. And you were saying how much they bring to the party as salespeople. And we're just really interested in how you see this. So welcome, Paul. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hi, Paul. Delighted, delighted to be here. So, Paul, um, it's often <laughs> our guests are people that we have known for years or worked with or were clients. And today we're meeting you for the first time, which is delightful. Um, but I wonder if you could just give us a bit of background about um, your career history and how you got to this point. Okay, I'll start at the end if I may. So uh, the True Sales Company, we help people to sell better. And the three uh, words on which we base our work are honesty, which I'll come back to shortly because there's a misconception around that in sales. Honesty, consistency and confidence. I think when people are honest, when they have a process that allows consistency, and I think the greatest gift we give anybody in life, never mind a job, is confidence. Uh, and I'm very passionate about sales. And I think I'm partly passionate about sales because I misunderstood it for years. So I'm 54 now, and I didn't get into sales until I was 32. And many of the reasons why I was so late to sales are also the reasons why many people don't go into sales who could. And my link to you, and, and delighted to be here today to share, is that older people often never really think about moving into sales maybe at any stage. And I think in many ways, we're actually better qualified to be successful in sales when we're older than we are when we're younger. Brilliant. Now, on this podcast, we typically take people, we have people who are making quite a leap from sort of a full-time traditional career into something new. In many ways, you're still developing your skills, but I think you're sort of taking, you're just touching on it then, um, that you're taking skills that you've learned over your career and now repackaging them in new ways, which is really what we are trying to help people to do at this stage of life. So 54, it, it to me seems incredibly young, but an awful lot of people are starting to retire at this age mm. or have retired even. Have you ever thought about retiring? Are you thinking about that as you get these new ventures? Have you had surprises along the way? Just talk us through some of that. I haven't had that. It, it isn't something that's on my radar, um, probably for two reasons, I would say. One, uh, like many people in the southeast where I now live, and unlike people in the Midlands where I grew up, at 54 I still have children in school, uh, whereas my older brother, you know, children have flown the nest and 
is a grandfather and all that kind of thing. So I still have bills to pay. And, and secondly, I can't say I've always felt this way, but certainly for many years, um, the concept of retirement in what I might call the old fashioned idea of retirement, which is you stop doing everything as far as work wise, um, doesn't appeal. And I have no data uh, to back up my belief of it not appealing other than my own parents who are loved dearly, who are very successful teachers. But in particular, my father, when he packed up teaching and then at the same time packed up other things, I felt that some of the changes in him were related to the fact that he was no longer using his brain in, in the in the way that he had been using it in work and in other things. That, that's often the case. I mean, we see that quite a lot, actually, ending, you know, going over a cliff edge mm. um, can be quite dangerous for physical and mental health. Um, yeah. Paul, I'm interested to, the True Sales Company is your company. Um, yes. I'm interested in how you moved to, you know, working for yourself, setting up a company from mm. scratch, um, the kind of ups and downs of that journey, whether you had a mentor or somebody you could sort of confide with, what was the what's the what's your journey in terms of you know the the emotional impact i suppose on you as a as a person blimey how long have you got <laughs> as long as you like yeah. <laughs> i'm already feeling like i'm in safe hands and a therapy couch i don't have a big story around some um moment of epiphany where i saw the future i got into sales late at 32 which we can come back to later if if, if it's relevant um and the my life then was completely broke, uh, tens of thousands of pounds of unsecured debt, um, living on a mate's um, bedroom floor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Met this girl I loved, uh, worked in investment banking, completely different lives. Um, uh, lost that girl, uh, understandably, and um, I got a sales job. I got a sales job at 32, and it changed my life. And I genuinely believe that anybody who gets a sales job, it then changes your life. Um, and four years later, I got my first bonus, the first time I'd ever earned six figures, uh, which was ludicrous. You know, I was earning £8,000 a year uh, at age of 32 doing data admin. So I, I think already by then I'd become unconsciously uh, an evangelist for sales. And that took some time to sort of come to the fore. So I had five or six years in my first sales job in the international property market. Um, which I thought was amazing. I joined this small family company, went from half a million a year to about four million a year in my first two and a half years. And I thought, wow, it's all about me. And it wasn't, of course, about me. It was about a market that exploded uh, and I happened to be there. But it, that job changed my life. And then I set up a, uh, a trade body to try and bring the world of international property to some sort of level playing field with international travel so trying to do for property what abta did for travel if mm. you like so that wasn't my company i set it up on behalf of members and it was my first entrepreneurial venture i yeah. guess even not even though not with my own money and i built that up to a reasonable level i was never going to do that as a job forever because it became a regulatory job not a sales job um i'd hired a training company linking it to more recent time i hired a training company in that job and i liked what they did and as the CEO of the body, I had to be at the training. And after a while, I thought, I think I could do this training better than the trainer. And as I have to be here anyway, 
um, this doesn't really make sense. So I didn't cut the training company out. I'm not that kind of person. I said, listen, you'll still get paid, but I think I should probably do the training um, because I need to be there anyway. And I just loved doing it. Uh, really enjoyed doing training. Uh, I joined that company for a year. Um, loved them in lots of ways. It was quite clear uh, myself and the owner were not going to be working together long term. Uh, so that ended after a year. And I just looked at what what do I know? What do I think I can make a living at? What do I quite like? Uh, and the answer was was training. And, and, and the thing I knew by then was sales. And so there's been a few incarnations of what I've done. I did some recruitment for a while. But for the last four years, probably 100% from the time COVID came, which had enormous impact on my business, literally every bit of business lost in three days. And I, I've since then gone full, full time onto training. I love doing it. It's my favorite thing to be with a room of people, uh, whether online or uh, preferably face to face. I prefer the face to face and love doing that and love doing what I'm trying to do today, albeit in some long winded answer here of trying to change people's perception of sales order that they can learn to do it well. Because what happens is people don't learn to do it well because they think they don't want to do it because they misunderstand it. And so until you change the perception of sales, whether over 50, over 60, over 70, or over 20, then you won't create enough people who want to learn to do it well. That's really interesting. And actually, you do fit the profile of, and, and you're so young, I know, of course, but actually where you got to, which was a point in life where you're thinking, what do I do next? And having to think about what skills have I got? What do I enjoy doing? That's mm. very much what we are trying to help people through that stage of life, which comes at different ages, but tends to be a later stage of life than anything so, Paul, I think we ought to talk about the, the reason that you got in touch with us initially, which was mm. the fact that you think older people uh, are good at sales, if you like. Yep. And sort of you were talking earlier on about how employers write people off. And we are right there in the middle of this debate, I have to say. And I also it resonated hugely when you said about the bad perception of sales. And I remember back in my 20s. I joined what would now be De La Rue, and I was asked at the interview, well, is there anything that we could have put in the job ad that would have made you a very complicated question that not apply? And I said, oh, yes, sales. And then when I joined, I thought, oh, my God, this is the best job in the world, selling to foreign governments, traveling around the world. And as you say, getting it right, really. It's not about selling. It's about finding the right product in the right place and all the rest of it. Mm. So tell me then, why older people, why do you, and I hate that phrase, by the way, you know, why, why are older people good at this? And why don't they kind of value their own skills in it? Well, I think it starts where you started, first of all, is yeah. it's the um, their understanding of what sales is that is yeah. the problem. And so, you know, I was with a client yesterday, wide range of ages. Um, it's almost every brief I ever take from a client and they'll talk about, you know, we don't think we're good at this or good at that or good at the other. And almost always it comes back to because they don't believe they're salespeople. And anything that feels like a bit like a sales thing, they don't want to do it. And so to give a simple example would be closing. Oh, we're nervous about closing. But we'll stop calling it closing. Just, yeah. just think about it. At the end of any meaningful conversation, you probably agree a next step. And that's all you're doing when you close or end conversation. <laughs> so, the, so the first thing for older people not thinking about it is, is that misunderstanding of what sales is. And what tends to happen, I think, is we remember all the negative things 
we experience in sales. Oh, I remember that car salesman. Remember that estate agent. Uh, and we don't remember when I met Trevor or Victoria, who took time to understand my needs and then made recommendations based on my needs that seemed to make sense and seemed good value for money. And they could prove it was good value for money by previous. I mean, we don't call that selling. And it's absolutely selling, as you would both know. Um, so misperception, first problem. Um, second, I, I think is, stop me if I go off too big a tangent here. I think there were, two, there were, there were a bunch of cultural understandings, which are utter nonsense, but that we all end up believing. So I'll move away from sales for now. But one of those utter nonsense, one of my least favorite phrases in life is people saying, oh, I'm too old to change now. Or, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's just nonsense. There's no reason. There's no neuroscience that tells you you can't learn new skills when you are older. Um, and but it, but it prevails because it's, it's like the lie that's often repeated becomes the truth. It's just been so ingrained in our culture that you can't do it, that people believe it and they don't even try. Um, and I, th I think it's nonsense. So I think we absolutely learned. The, 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 I've done training now for, gosh, how long? Uh, 15, 16 years. The greatest thing that stops any of us learning anything new is we don't want to learn anything new. If you want to learn something new, you can 100% learn it. Doesn't mean you'll be brilliant at it. Doesn't mean you'll be the world's greatest, but you can get better at it. But then more directly answering your question, Victoria, on older people, why are they good? A couple of things. They have been selling all their lives. They just didn't call it sales. So every time you're trying to get your kid to go to bed, your kid to do their homework, your <laughs> friends to go to that pub or that restaurant, every single one of those interactions is a sales interaction. You are communicating with an audience in order to bring about an outcome that you want to achieve. And you try to paint it in a manner in which they feel like they want it as well. Call it persuasion, call it influence, call it negotiation, it's sales. So actually, whilst you can learn new skills, you probably don't need to learn new skills. You've probably done all your life. Uh, you've just done it in different contexts. So all you're then doing is using that skill you've built over many years in a different context. So in lots of ways, you're not new to sales. But staying with that theme, if I may, and do stop me if it's too long, I think just boiling down to sort of practical tips. I think probably if there are people thinking, actually, this guy isn't talking complete nonsense and, and maybe I could do that. In order to be, I don't, I don't think it matters if you set up on your own, but in order to give yourself any chance of being able to get some sort of job in sales and you haven't done sales, it probably makes sense to look within fields of industry uh, that you already know a little bit. To go in something completely alien would be difficult. Uh, the example I've often given is, I've never worked in education as far as sort of formal education, schools and universities and so on. But I think if I went for a job in the education sector, I would be able to position myself quite well in that my parents are both teachers. I've always followed education. I'll be able to talk about educational policy of the last 20 years, 25 years with some understanding of the dynamics. It wouldn't make me an expert, but I'd be able to do that far better than I could uh, about tailoring of the last 30 years or, or, or a bunch of other things. But yeah, my main point, I guess you've been doing it all your life. I think there are, with the right kind of company, right kind of product, you can make sales work fit around your life because so much of sales is about results yes. rather than hours put into it. Um, and when 
Additionally, and I will stop talking after this point, if you sell something in which you have an interest, it's it's much more enjoyable. I couldn't agree more, Paul. Um, it's really interesting. I, I kind of like to pick up on those points from a slightly different perspective mm. and get your views on this. We talked in, at the beginning about age bias and how prevalent that is. I wonder if you have anything to say to employers about the value of the 50 plus generation to them uh, particularly since as as you know it's a hot topic mm. apparently you know we in particular in the uk uh, the one of the unexpected outcomes of the pandemic was a large number of people leaving the workforce it's a tough one right because i i think that what i know from my what i know sorry that's too strong a word what i feel from my time in sales is um, I don't often try and sell to people that have already put a great big banner up saying, I don't want to buy what you're selling, no matter how good it is, because there's plenty enough people out there who want what I have to offer. If I can get it in front of them, that I don't need to beat those barriers down. And so there'll be some, but I'm guessing they're not listening to this podcast anyway, who are never going to change their mind. Um, but I think the lots who have that uh, unconscious bias and those all those things come in about oh not uh not being able to learn new tricks or on the wind down oh sorry that's the other thing sorry i'm breaking away trevor slightly i will come no, back no, to it. Okay. We, we've 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 completely lost um um appreciation that we live much longer now and you must have this conversation before on this podcast right so the yeah. concept of retiring at 65 was based on when we lived to about 73 and now we live to 85 to 90 if you're you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're probably going to live to 100. It just doesn't make any sense. We won't be able to afford to retire at 65. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense to think that the country will continue to function on people retiring at 65. Quite what France are going to do at 62, I don't bloody know. But you won't be able to, it won't work. Yeah. Um, and in addition, just therefore, I think there's still that perception of, I'll, I'll use me as an example, at 54, that you're on your wind down. You're looking for that, yeah. that last job to wind down. Um, I think I'm at my peak. I don't think I've ever been better at doing what I do now. And I expect to be better again in five years' time. Why? Because I'd have five more years of learning how to do things and, and appreciating things and going into new markets and so on. So I'll come back to the question now. Those people, I just think that my plea would be, let them prove themselves. Because one of the great things about sales, um, I'm going to compare it ludicrously now to singing. If you meet somebody at any setting and they go, I'm really a really good singer, you probably don't ask them to show you their CV of the last 30, 35 years. <laughs> you probably say, there's a microphone, go on then, sing. Yeah. And sales is the same. It's a, it's a skill-based activity. So just do it. Just jump in and, and let them do it. And a friend of mine, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this because it's a bit has degrees of servility to it but a friend of mine switched sales jobs in his early 40s completely different market although he was established in sales and we met on the night before and he said oh what do you think might crop up and i said my guess will be they don't want to employ a 42 year old man who's never sold in that market before and i think you need to prepare for that so i'll take credit for that bit the next bit he came up with which is he expected at the end to say well thank you very much we'll get back to you and he was prepped and he said to them, um, you know, no more questions. Thanks very much. We'll, we'll get back to you. And he said, OK, just before I go, I've got one last point to raise with you. 
Um, I think we've got on. I think you believe that I can sell. But I'm fairly confident that you are nervous about a 42-year-old person who's never sold in your market coming to work for your company. And you're going to end up calling me tomorrow and say, we really liked you, not quite the right match. So I'm going to make you an offer. I really want to do this job. So if you give me a chance, I'll come and work for free for one month. And you can hear me on the phones and you can track what I do. If at the end of that month or any stage in that month, uh, you're not happy with me, I walk away and you pay me nothing. But if at the end of that month you're happy, you pay me what you should have paid me for the month and we do the job. And clearly I wouldn't be telling the story unless he got the job. Uh, and he did. And they just didn't know what to say. And he, just, he gave that to the COO and the CEO and they were completely thrown. And they gave him the job and he's still there six or seven years later yeah. uh, doing that job. So I guess it will be, if you sit there thinking, oh, I don't think Trevor can learn this, give Trevor a scenario and let him do a sales meeting with you. If he does a great sales meeting, he can sell. Yeah, yeah. Great. So, Paul, it's always interesting when, I mean, I'm just left a little bit shattered, to be honest, because we're talking about somebody at 42 years old here. I mean, we, we've sort of slipped at the sort of 54 is still young, but, you know, Trevor and I are in our 60s. I, I'm kind of looking at 70, I guess, so I can't even bear saying that, because I don't feel whatever that's meant to sound like or look like or feel like or whatever. So let's get you to, to fast forward in your mind then. So what's mm. ahead for you over the next few, five, 10, 20 years? Wow, it really is a therapy. This is therapy meets business mentoring here, isn't it? You've got a new podcast in the making here, Victoria and Trevor. Um, I would, um, I'm probably a, uh, a common thing in lots of different markets, which is somebody who, makes a reasonably good living um, exchanging their time and a little bit of expertise for money. Um, and anyone doing that um, clearly has a limitation uh, to where you go. You either have to get more people in to do it or you have to have a means of delivery which doesn't require physical presence. Um, I really don't want to move away from being with sales teams. So I want to carry on uh, doing that. But I'm now setting up the, the True Sales Academy to have some online content that allows more individuals to access. I tend to sell to corporate. So, you know, I have a, what will sound to many people like a ridiculous day rate. And so it tends to be corporates that bring me in to train teams of six to 12 uh, people over a period of uh, a number of interactions. Um, and I've, I've railed against online learning for a long time. Uh, and I still think face-to-face -face, as far as sales is immeasurably better. But I think that online content can be um, a long way better than nothing uh, and so as a, a almost a feeder into something something else so definitely my plan for this year is to get that live um, and the first course actually perhaps links to your audience is a, an introduction to sales which is very much aimed at anybody who is thinking about sales and I don't really mind if that's being 16 or 60 or 67 or 75 whatever it might be um, just to try and get people to understand the fundamentals of sales, to reposition in their head uh, what sales might be. And that, that's probably the central plank of um, my plans. I'm not against other trainers joining what I do, but that, that will be a central plank. Um, just actually on the theme, there is a concern in my mind, actually, which is, is partly fuels the, the Academy Online angle, is it occurred to me, I don't know, six months ago, maybe 12 months maximum, was 
for how many more years can I as a 54-year-old man, then a 60-year-old man, then a 65-year-old man stand in front of a team of 25-year-old salespeople and maintain my relevance to them? So I genuinely, I have seen no signs of yet hitting that. Um, but it did hit me that, oh, wow, there might be a lifespan on what? that. Cool. I... No, Trevor's, Trevor Shaking his head, which is encouraging. Well, because we, we have this a lot. You know, people who have been in a particular career for a long time are afraid mm. that when they stop working or when they do something else, that they'll lose relevance. And, and obviously, in very, very technical fields, that may be true. But my assertion, I can't prove it is that your relevance is directly linked to your passion. You know, if you really want <laughs> to carry on doing this kind of work, you'll stay relevant because, because it's your life's work. Yeah. Um, now, it's it's hard to persuade people of that sometimes, mm. but, but, but that, that's why I was shaking my head. Yeah, anyway. yeah. No, I, I hope you're right, and I think you are. But I agree with this because we've one of the things we've been doing is kind of proving proof of concept, if you like, that this generation has so much to offer. And we've been getting them to mentor tech entrepreneurs. They are, they're everybody, the complete range, but a lot of them are straight out of university. They've never actually been employed, so they don't know what good looks like in terms of being mm. boss or whatever. And you might say, well, you know, a 67-year-old woman with all these techs, and I, we live up in the north and I do a lot with the Leeds tech community and they're all way younger than I am but honestly I don't think anybody's looking at me well if they are they haven't they haven't told me <laughs> yet but they are so kind and they say and I've done quite a lot of mentoring with some of the entrepreneurs where they don't know what's acceptable with our investors as an example and I have said this is completely unacceptable. You know, I'm not an expert, but this behavior, frankly, mm -hmm. and they don't know, should I just put up with it? And I'm saying, no, you shouldn't. Uh, and actually, this is what we're going to do. So I think provided that you engage with them and are interested in them and don't become superior and think I know better, but it's kind of both of you are learning from each other. Mm -hmm. I think that age is just not there. And I had a big debate with somebody the other day. She was saying about, I was on a panel and she was saying that women, older women have this cloak of invisibility. Now I have heard this, but honestly, you were saying about felt at your peak. Honestly, I feel at 67, I am definitely my peak. I have never felt more able, more, more influencing, more helping, more whatever. So I think this is down to sort of mindset and kind of how you engage with other people. Yeah. You've got there at least another 20 years, all right? I'm giving it to you on a plate. Great. I feel encouraged. <laughs> I, lo I love, oh God, so much. I don't know how long you guys have got, but there's so much I want to pick up on there. Really encouraged by uh, Trevor's agreement, or not agreement, disagreement with me. And I think Trevor's right rather than me. Yeah. Uh, and on your bit, uh, Victoria, um, it reminds me, of, I'll link it back to sales and, and, and hope it makes sense, which is, I'm particularly interested in doing about tech. And, yeah. and, and talking about, you know, you understanding how to build businesses, but not necessarily knowing the tech. And it's, it's one of my pet peeves, if I may call it. And, and I sometimes not fall out with my PR company, but disagree with them. We'll say, oh, it's a new age now. What's new? What's new? What's new? And I'm going to break away to tell you about a, a dinner party game I used to play a few years ago, which was to say to sorry, dinner party question, which is to say to people, if you could go back to any time in history, when would you go back to and why? Uh, and. 
I was always fascinated by how many young employees of mine would say the 1970s. I was like, for goodness sake, just watch Top of the Pops 2 and you get it. Like, you want to go back prehistory, right? Anyway, so um, somebody in the group of more uh, sensible people said, I'd like to go back to caveman and cavewoman uh, times. Uh, and there's a chat about that. But anyway, the point links to that is, is somebody else jumped in and went, I think we'd be relatively surprised by how similar to us they are. Yeah. Because human beings have yeah. fundamental needs. Yeah. And linking it back to tech and me and sales and what you were saying, Victoria. Um, I think when times get tough, it's more important to go back to the fundamentals, the foundations of what happens. And I don't think human beings have changed as much as everyone thinks they have changed. Our means of delivery sometimes change. How we find information has been fundamentally changed. But human beings making buying decisions, really? Yeah. I think we are more ignorant now about making buying decisions than we were 100 years ago. I don't think we're any more wise now. No. Than we, we have. We are all uh, 1% experts on 100 different fields yeah. and 0% experts in any field of endeavor. And we like to think we know about, um, about everything. So completely refute the idea that everything has to be reinvented. I think yeah. fitness, let me take it away from sales and business, fitness. Can anyone believe that there's ever been a time of, of humanity when we didn't know more about diet and health and fitness? And can anyone point out a time when we've had such an obesity problem in the world? I mean, <laughs> we all know the information. We just yeah, don't yeah. do it. No. And so I think that there's just lots of nonsense spoken about yeah. reinventing this and reinventing that. And it's yeah. to sell a new book or sell a new way of doing it. The core values of sales are the same thing they have always yeah. been which is my definition of, of sales is, is, is sales is about helping people make good buying decisions. And the way we help people make good buying decisions is to find out the truth about their needs. So at the heart of sales is a mission and that mission is the search for truth. And when you think about sales as being the search for truth, it changes completely how you think about sales conversations mm. because it's about, about curiosity it's not about pitching solutions. It's not about matching all the time. That, that does come some, at some stage. It's not about talking at people. It's doing that. I think it changes how you think about sales. And even more importantly, it changes how you think about yourself when you're selling. Yeah. Because you think about yourself as searching for truth rather than trying to peddle something. Paul, you know, there's so much in this conversation that I will think about. Um, and there's one final question. Um, which we we always ask and and it seems a bit unfair really because you've given so much <laughs> um and that is kind of looking back over your journey to how you got here is there anything you would have done differently or are there any pieces of advice that you have learned the hard way that you'd like to pass on to our audience I'm always wary of giving advice because I think the best answer I ever heard that question which I won't give you uh, was that my piece of advice is never listen to advice. Um, but <laughs> so I won't do that. I, I think if, without going too deep and too long, I think the two things I would think of will being, I, I'm quite passionate about self-limiting beliefs and yes. the anger yeah. that people have at any yeah. stage of life. And I think it applies to the audience for your podcast yeah. of I couldn't do that. And, yeah. and I, I look at so many walks of life where people are incredibly successful on limited academic intelligence background whatever it might be there's lots of different ways to be successful and the biggest thing that stops us is we don't think we're worthy of doing that and secondly um 
I think that when I've done things well and I see other people doing things well, it's not about the idea that you have. I think ideas are overrated. It's about the execution of an idea. Uh, and if I could change anything in my, in my time running my own business, it will be to decide what you're good at and 100% do that bit. Don't do oh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. Focus on one thing you're good at and do it relentlessly. Ooh. Brilliant. Well, what a great note to finish on. And I know you're very young, but actually, I think... <laughs> I've never heard somebody call me young so many times in one conversation. I thought you'd like that. But it also cheers up other people when they think, well, <laughs> so am I still young? Yeah, yeah, we're all still young. We've still got so much to offer. So you've you've displayed that in spades here, Paul. So thank you very much for contacting us and thoroughly enjoyed meeting you. And... We'll watch your journey and we'll exchange notes in time to come. So thank Fantastic. you very much and wish you well with what you're doing, Paul. Many thanks. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Well, there was a lot there, really a lot there. I I thought it was quite challenging, actually. I think his um, views about the, you know, the value that people bring and the environment in which there's so much sort of negativity Mm. That, that people have passed it, but also that selling is some sort of seedy yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, you're basically persuading people to buy something they don't want to buy. You know, I think he's he's just taken that head on and is challenging it. And of course, it's not true. Um, but but, you know, there's obviously a, a big opportunity there for him to change people's minds, change the world. I, I, it was quite inspiring. It was. And I was thinking the other night, I was emailing somebody that we're talking to about piloting our platform. And I was just giving feedback about where it's going at the moment, what we're getting back. And it's just straightforward saying what we're getting and what they'd want to improve, what the feedback is that people would like to see change and things and what we're doing about it. And I was thinking, is it to do with when I get to this age that you just I am selling, of course, because I want to engage them. But actually, I'm just being honest about where we're at. Going back to what Paul was saying, I'm just being honest about this is where we've got to. I am passionate about it and I'm not blagging here. Of course, I'm making it the best, but I am enthusiastic about it anyway. And I think that's what he's talking about, really, that you're you are selling. But that bit about what did he say? You sell every time you try and persuade a child to go to bed or your <laughs> friends to go to the pub that you want to go to. You're selling. I really like that. Because yeah, that's what we're all doing. We're just putting it in the best light, aren't we? This is the yes, best yes. And it's he, he was he was he was very good at the end as well about um, something that we see all the time. Uh, you know, people thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure I could do that, or yeah. well, you know, okay, yeah, I did have a certain amount of success, but you know, I didn't really deserve it. You know, all of those self limiting beliefs are things that we need to put out of our minds. You know, there are huge, there's huge value that's added by people with experience. And and obviously, you know, Paul is making a making a business out of that. I think that's yeah. uh, it's really it's just yeah. And that's why yeah, I started next up because I was meeting several people who were saying, well, I'm too old for that now. There was a classic one of Jules. And she said, I'd had this idea for a business. And when I said, well, what's happened to that? And she said, well, I'm 60. Uh, yeah, I said, what to work for, whatever. And she started the business. And honestly, it was just a switching a, a switch in her brain that made her go, oh, 
I don't have to stop now just because my friends are. I don't have to. And it was one of the most bizarre things I have ever seen in my life. Literally within seconds, she was then planning a business and she's launched it. So what what happens, you know, and Jules was really confident and she's not somebody you would expect to be influenced by others in that way. And you think, my goodness, if Jules was influenced in that way, how many more people who haven't got caught? You know, he said at the beginning, didn't he, about confidence, the greatest gift you give people is confidence. And I think that's right. And I think this age is hugely. And I met somebody this morning. So he had been a bank manager 30 years, one of the major big four banks. And he was saying he's surprised how much, even though he wanted to leave, he's, I think he said he was 68. He said, you know, I was, I wanted to leave by then, but I can't believe how much I've been knocked by it. And once you're knocked, and that's presumably his confidence, isn't it? Yeah. Um, You're knocked, it's really hard to get up again. Uh, And it takes a bit of people saying, you can do this or something, experiencing something. And that's why we bring in those um, entrepreneurs for people to mentor, because that's a real living, practicing thing to say, you're still worth it. You can, you've still got something to offer to others. So there we go. Interesting. Something rather different, actually. I like well, that. yeah. And I, uh, as we said at the beginning, you know, Paul, somebody we were meeting for the first time mm-hmm. and he was, as all of our guests are, um, fascinating, mm-hmm. uh, really, really interesting story. And I hope there's people sitting out there thinking, hmm, maybe I should be a salesman after all. Oh, why not? Um, yeah, opportunities. What's new? Let's go out yeah. and find them. Yeah. Grab them. So if yeah. you enjoyed what uh, Paul had to say, come and listen to our other guests as well. Subscribe next-up.com and don't forget the hyphen. And there's loads of tips and all sorts of other videos and advice and ideas and sharing insights on our website. Come and join us. See you next time.